Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Good morning. This is Linda Crater, and I'm joined today by co-host Les Davis. How are you today, Les? I'm great, Linda. Thank you for asking. I, I think that this is going to be a very interesting show. Today, we are talking with the largest military family organization in the country about their annual military family survey. We are, of course, talking with Blue Star Families and specifically talk about the 2017 survey results. And this is a hallmark of Blue Star Families, this survey. And the conclusions drawn each year are really fascinating, and they do change and evolve, and so does the survey to match that. So we are joined by Blue Star Family's Research Director, Kristen. Am I pronouncing that, Kristen? Schiffer. Okay, so we are talking with you about the 2017 survey, and it's a great it's, it's just a huge help to families. And let's start with why is the survey done each year? Um, I, I think that's, that is the question that, that, uh, that defines Blue Star families in a lot of ways and defines the military space, which is that, um, you know, military families have largely served in silence and have not been uh, particularly uh, understood. They haven't been a large um, focus of research when it comes to defense and security and what it takes to um, to secure a nation in the past. And so why we do this survey every year is because when we started advocating on the behalf of military families and we started to say, let us talk to you about some of the issues that military families are experiencing as the war, uh, Blue Star Families was formed in 2009, and as the war was um, really kind of grinding on at that point, it was it was a bit of a low point, um, if, if folks recall. Um, it had been a challenge. You've been at war for quite some time. And one of the things that we found when we would go talk to decision makers, leaders, quite frankly, even, um, you know, folks in, in local communities, was they would say, well, that's interesting that you tell us that families are experiencing a lot of time away. Families are experiencing problems with things like military spouse employment. Families are having a hard time with childcare. But then they'd say, show us the data. And there really weren't any terrific sources of data out there. Uh, so we said, well, heck, we could do that, right? It's not that complicated. So we, um, we got together a group of researchers who were experienced in survey research and data analysis, and we put together the survey so that military families, service members, um, spouses, um, even veterans, had the opportunity to share their thoughts and their lived experience um, in a way that was uh, analytically and scientifically robust enough to then be able to be something that we could take to the leadership uh, in the military, Capitol Hill, uh, even in local communities, and make sure that they actually had, um, you know, real good data mm-hmm. to back up their decisions. Now, do you feel that you're heard? Uh, 
Yes, I, I think we really have grown over the few years. When we first started, um, the whole idea of military families as being an issue um, was still largely uh, evolving. It, it was not uh, as recognized. But, uh, for example, uh, in at least two of President, President Obama's speeches, he didn't just say uh, a State of the Union speeches. He didn't just say service members. He started to say service members and their families. Mm-hmm. And that was something that we were very um, – strong about communicating to uh, to the White House, to legislators, saying when you say service members, if you're really talking about the entire experience, talk about service members and their families. And so he was the first president in a State of the Union address to say, quote, service members and their families, unquote. That's a momentous uh, moment. Yeah, it was, it was terrific. It felt great. You know, when we talk about Blue Star families, um, I, the first image that comes to my to my mind is the, the immediate family, like you have a spouse and kids. Now, for that single soldier who doesn't have that spouse and children, then do the Blue Star families, and would you, would you consider, uh, you know, a parent, a dad, a mom? Yes, they we have. Absolutely. We have, uh, I think, 6% of our survey sample this year was parents. Um, and, and that's part of what we do. And, and so we're, we're careful to delineate when we give data about who's responding and who's indicating different results. Because let's be honest, a mom's worries are probably going to be slightly different than a spouse's worries or mm-hmm. a veteran's worries. Um, but at the same time, that, that data, that, that voice for those families of those single service members is very important. And it's been largely... Uh, underrepresented. So our survey gives um, the parents of service members the opportunity to provide feedback about what they're experiencing. You know, do they feel like there's enough communication? Are they worried about, um, you know, certain challenges in in reaching their service member or um, or knowledge of what's going on? Uh, so that's something that we're always uh, cognizant of and that we want to make sure is part of our survey and, and the, the data that we provide. Yeah. That was a great so, question. Well, yeah. Well, being my, my son's a single soldier, he, he's deployed to Afghanistan twice and I never felt uh, where I fit in my blue star, my yeah. blue star dad. So am I considered that, you know, so that, that was something when I, when, um, Linda started talking about this show, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask because I didn't know where I stood as a parent. So thank you for well, answering that. And that's, a, you know, it, it also is, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a choice of where you feel most comfortable. Part of what um, Blue Star Families is able to work on these days uh, and what we're looking to expand, and, and I can talk about this in terms of our survey, but is also the issue of Blue Star neighbors. It's a, the, what we are calling the folks that are surrounding military families. So depending upon how you identify, you may identify as a Blue Star family member. Uh, you also may identify as someone who is in the community who is very um, engaged in support and engaged in supporting military families who may or may not have, you know, a family member in the military, but maybe someone who realizes that it's really important for the um, civilian community to at least be aware of what's going on in the broader military community. And so we're working very hard on creating an opportunity for civilians in local communities 
to to make it easier for them to engage with military families, to engage with service members, and to um, understand their lived experiences, but do it in a way that's, again, easy for them, not so that it's a challenge, but that it's something that's natural and makes sense in their lives. Well, that's fantastic. Um, what, uh, what, do you, what are some of the outcomes that you anticipated after compiling the survey? Well, for, for this year. Oh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be honest. Um, you know, our security environment right now is very dynamic. <laughs> um, and so should our ability um, to, to measure um, military families. And, and so, you know, it should be also be flexible and dynamic. And so we look at literature that's been written, academic literature. We also look at um, uh, feedback from our members. We read a lot of media reports and then we put together, um, you know, our, our questions and what we, we, what we're identifying as being what we think are going to be kind of the hurdles and challenges that military families are experiencing. Um, and so that's really what we do beforehand as we kind of anticipate what we think we're going to see. But I'll be honest, um, because the security environment is so dynamic, what we really uh, have learned after having done this for almost 10 years is that we know the right questions to ask. We know what's on people's minds, but we have oftentimes very little idea of what people are going to tell us. Mm. Um, and, and so we, as researchers, we try to go in, um, having some educated idea, you know, an educated guess of what we think is going to come out, but we also try to provide really broad opportunities for people to tell us what is going on. So in our survey, we have questions that you can answer where there are uh, quantitative questions is what we call them, which would be like, there are choices that you can, you know, the choices that you can choose from click, you know, top bubble, second bubble, fifth bubble, right? But then we also have questions in our survey that are qualitative, which means they're open-ended. We say, what is it that DOD can do to make your family as healthy um, and strong as possible during your military service? And then we just, we let people answer that as they may. And then we use um, academic processes in terms of established processes in terms of coding the data as it comes in um, to provide answers. So, so really we don't go in with a lot of expectations. We go in with some, some ideas of what we think is going to come up, but then we let uh, the military families, the service members, the veterans really lead our data where it's going in terms of, of the analysis. Now we're coming up, but I still want to ask, how many participants were in the survey this year? So we had just shy of 8,000 participants in our survey this year. And that's an increase, isn't it? So it's a slight decrease over the year before that. Ah, okay. um, but it's, it's not, um, it, it, I think we had about 8,300 the year before. It's, it's mm -hmm. really what we know um, is that, uh, what it, what really counts in terms of sample sizes, we, we are the, the largest survey out there of mm -hmm. military family service members and veterans. Um, a couple hundred one way or the other really doesn't matter to us. What matters to us is that the sample is representative. That and we have... statistically significant. You're absolutely yes. right. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm afraid we're coming up on a break, Chris. 
we are talking with Blue Star Families, the research director, Kristen Schiffer, and we're going to be talking further after the break about their annual survey. Were any of the results surprising or substantially changed from the year before? You'll want to hear the results of this, and we'll be back after these short messages. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey there, it's Christine Gallagher from She's Got Clients.com. I'm really excited to share with you the first annual Get Clients Online giveaway. I have gathered a spectacular group of contributors who are providing you with amazing gifts that will help you get cash flow in clients in less time online. So I've teamed up with more than 50 other business industry leaders to bring you templates, checklists, and other valuable goodies to grow and scale a sustainable business that brings you more income with less effort. So all you need to do is head over to getclientsonlinegiveaway.com, put your name and email address in, and you'll get instant access to more than 50 free business building tools, templates, products, and services, including Facebook funnel templates, LinkedIn sheets, sales scripts, and so much more. That's GetClientsOnlineGiveaway.com. Head over there and enjoy your free gifts. offer wonderfully wild and wacky summer foods. From chicken fried bacon in Texas to Minnesota spaghetti and meatballs on a stick. There is something about dining at the fair that can make anyone an oxomaniac or a person who is driven to the point of madness by food. State fairs are famous for their loverwort or food with no nutritional value. The California State Fair boasts fried Krispy Kreme chicken sandwiches. That's fried chicken and Swiss cheese tucked into a Krispy Kreme donut served with a side of honey sauce. At the Iowa State Fair, you can enjoy a hot beef sundae. That's a big scoop of mashed potatoes over roast beef, covered with gravy, sprinkled with cheddar cheese, and garnished with a cherry tomato to look like a sundae. What's another word for messy food? Ma Wella. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We're talking with Kristen Schiffer, the research director for Blue Star Families, and we're talking about their annual survey. And Kristen, were any of the results surprising, based on the questions that you were asking, or substantially changed from the year before? Uh, actually, they they were this year. We um, to make things easy for um, people who maybe don't want to consume all of the information we have. We we all, every year we do a top issues, uh, top five issues that are ranked as most concerning, and we divide it out between military spouses, service members, and veterans. And interestingly enough, for since two thousand thirteen. Um, the top issue has always been military pay mm-hmm. uh, and benefits. There's been a lot of nervousness in the past years over those issues. But this year, for the first year uh, in, in four years, the top issue um, was time away from family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that was a big um, – big. Sur- it actually, it wasn't a surprise to us. The reason that we uh, – 
we really focused on that question this year was because last year in our qualitative responses, in the open-ended write-in responses, we were seeing lots of references to time away. Mm-hmm. We were also hearing lots of references from military leaders about the op tempo and the stress. And so we thought, okay, let's let's take a look and just see where this, you know, if we if we if we insert this option and we say just time away from family, where will it fall? Uh, and it ended up being the the top issue, not just from spouses, but also for service members. So both service members and spouses chose this issue as the top issue. Almost half of service members and spouses indicated this was a top issue for them. Wow. Um, so, it was, it, you know, it, it's really consistent with the, the idea that uh, we have a smaller force, but that the ask in terms of service, in terms of mission, has mm-hmm. really not abated at the same time that we were thinking we were downsizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we needed to downsize the personnel, but at the same time, the mission requirements in the op tempo um, remained very high. Uh, so we, we did see that. Um I, I would say the other issue that's that was very interesting for us is um, with regard to spouse employment. We know that this is a problem. We know that military spouses have a heck of a time finding jobs. Um, for this year, 47% of military spouses were employed. Um, but of those who were employed, so less than half that were employed, 51% of them, so, so half of the half, so we're looking at a quarter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, roughly, earned less than twenty thousand dollars. Wow! So uh, even those that are employed, mm-hmm. they're not earning anything. Uh, you know, thirty nine percent of those who are employed earn less than ten thousand uh, dollars. And this was so we asked them, "What did you earn in 2016? So I knew that there was a problem with spouse employment, but I didn't realize how chronically uh, acute the underemployment problem was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really surprised me. So basically what we're looking at is really three quarters of military spouses are earning nothing or they're earning $10,000 or less. Um, you know, I, it, I, you know. I, I just read an article. You've probably seen it where the new chief of staff wants to keep people on station for roughly instead of moving people two to three years, he's like, why don't we, why don't we switch that to six? And they said that will help military spouses, you know, have gainful employment. And I thought that was a, a, a good thing for somebody at that senior level to uh, to recognize. Um, yeah, they, so just, it, just it's, going off it's of your changed. Employment. It has it, it has the 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 recognition at the highest levels of the Department of Defense and in, for example, uh, the House and, and Senate Armed Services. Uh, committees of the imperative of military families to be able to achieve the same uh, kind of quality of life of as regular families. I mean, first and foremost, military families, I, I'm not saying anything new to, to this audience, but they're just normal families and they want mm-hmm. the same things. And so to have this really substantial challenge based around military spouse employment uh, we were seeing as a really strong um, hurdle for people to stay in the military. Um, you know, it's a dual income society these days. The majority of married families, I mean, when we look at military spouses, we, we're assuming, I, I, I'm assuming, you know, 
when you look at military spouses, they're married, right? So when we compare demographic to demographic, we're looking at married couples at largely in these populations. But the overwhelming majority of military um, of married families in the United States are dual income families. But then when we look at military families who are married, that's not the case. And so if we, you know, the one little bill, uh, you know, an extra 0.2% or 0.5% or 1% and a military pay uh, increase is not going to solve these problems. But the beauty is if you have a spouse that's employed who contribute equally or even, you know, not as equally, but, but, but even at some level to the household income, then that family is much more likely to be secure and to feel confident in carrying on service. Um, so, so that was, that's one of the issues that we've really tried to focus on in the past few years in order to, um, you know, show an impact of, you know, if you want to say, you know, what, what does this survey really do, um, in terms of where's the value, why should you take it? This is an issue we've taken to the top echelons of government and said, this issue is impacting your retention. Yes. Um, and, and, and they've listened to their credit. They have really listened. Um, I love the fact that you recognized, um, the, the issue of two, uh, you know, the guys being away, guys and gowns and service members being away from too long in deployments and were able to change your questioning to reflect that. And so that was, was that surprising? Did, did, was that a big surprise? Uh, year over year, that it went from paying benefits, which is huge, because we're all concerned about that as we serve, to then this. So, so military families are changing. Um, you know, uh, my family's a military. I'm a I'm a military family. Uh, my my husband's active duty. We're we're close to the exit gates. Uh, we're much closer to the exit gates than we are to the entrance gates. But I can tell you that the difference in what families look like. Uh, is, is substantial. Military families nowadays, they're modern. They don't look like the families that much of the military support, uh, the assumptions that were surrounding families that DOD and our Congress and our national leadership built around the assumptions of what military families looked like, even when the, when the wars broke out, say post 2001, right? Um, and so what we see is we see lots of single parents. We see lots of spouses who not only quote unquote need to work, but want to work, who mm-hmm. don't want to stay home necessarily need to have a, uh, you know, an intellectual outlet for their lives as well. They, um, you know, they might be seasons of one's lives when they stay home or when they don't. Um, but largely the idea of this single male, breadwinner with a 2.5 children, female at home, very traditional understanding of quote unquote family. It's just not what military families look like anymore. Cause frankly, it's not what American families look like anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we've tried to uh, try to help folks understand is that modern military families want the same thing that normal American military families want. And, and, trying to kind of show where the impact is and where the differential is um, between what American families are wanting and where military families are. Well, that's the you truth know, is that we are, uh, the, the, uh, the, I'm sorry, Linda, I did just one point. That's okay. I, I did, uh, we are, a, the military is a mirror of society. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. The, the sooner we realize that, or even our congressmen or our, our politicians realize that, the better off everybody uh, there will be. But well, you're absolutely right because you're better able to address the needs if they are known. And I think that's one of the big strengths of this survey is that they have the ability, Blue Star families, to bring this information to top leadership so that it is influential in making changes and legislatively and also just from a a family lifestyle perspective. Because if you are talking to those who are making the decisions and making a difference in what they might think, do, or act next, that is critically important. So, when you are completed, when you have completed a survey and you reveal the results and you pass the results out, are the responses what you expect? People are intrigued by the answer. Uh, they, they, this brings rise to new questions. Do you get feedback? Because you mentioned earlier in the program that you got a lot of feedback last year that gave you impetus to know what questions to ask the following year. So is this a way that you glean more information even after the survey is over as you prepare for the next one? Absolutely. Um, There are some questions that we ask every year. Mm -hmm. Um, It's important to be able to have that year-over-year touchstone, and we're able to look, you know, over time, uh, you know, what's changed. That's really important. It's important to be able to say what's our impact and what's Mm -hmm. changing and look at trends. But at the same time, we have to be nimble. Um, And that's what kind of differentiates us from some of the other surveys that are out there, Um, specifically DOD surveys, is that um, there are terrific researchers and, and really dedicated scientists who work on DOD surveys. But the problem is they take about two years to get approval for the Mm. questions that they've put in the survey. So Mm -hmm. by the time they've even submitted for approval to those questions, to the time they're able to ask them, to the time they're able to do the analysis, then get the approval to release the results, then release the results, we're looking at, uh, you know, two to three, sometimes four years. Mm. Um, And we all, as we discussed at the top of the the broadcast, right, that's not... Um, that's not how, dyna- I mean, our, our communities and our experiences and our lived experiences are so dynamic that what we're trying to do is not replicate what DOD is doing, but trying to support and provide information in the off, you know, cycles so that they're also able to take that information on board and help it, you know, evolve their, their data analysis as well. You know, perfect. We are coming up on another break, but we will continue our discussion and find out how this information supports and informs military families on an ongoing basis. We're talking with Kristen Schiffer, and we'll be back after these messages. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Welcome to Toginet, cutting edge radio. It's merging. Okay, ladies, listen up. 
Did you know recent studies are suggesting that women with skinny waists but sizable hips are smarter than other women? Scientists at the University of Pittsburgh and the University of California gave cognitive tests to a group of 16,000 women and girls of different body types and found the women with the greatest hip-to-waist proportions scored higher. Hmm, I guess that would make me a walking encyclopedia Britannica. No, hold on. That doesn't mean it's okay for us to be a powder pigeon. That's another name for a woman whose sizable hips can take up a whole supermarket aisle. Research suggests that the fat around fuller hips and thighs holds higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which helps the brain. I'm not sure if I would rather be able to do the Sunday crossword puzzle or get into those jeans I bought 10 years ago. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. In talking about the annual survey, let's talk in more particulars about how this information supports and informs military families. How do they use it? What does it look like? How do they pass it on? Why is it important? All of those things. So, um, you know, from from our perspective at Blue Star Families, um, there are two really different divergent streams in this. One is military families. What, you know, how does it support and inform military families? And um, all of us, I think at one point or another, have been by ourselves with our private thoughts, wondering if the experiences that we're having are the experiences that others are having. Oftentimes... Um, a lot of the challenges that we experience because we are programmed and, you know, very willing to sacrifice and to serve, we may not bring those to the tops of conversations. I remember um, when my husband went on his first deployment, um, it wasn't even deployment, it was a short notice detachment right after 9-11. And finally, one night with a bunch of other spouses around, I said, what am I missing? What are you guys doing that you're all okay right now? Cause I'm kind of not. Um, and the really neat thing that I realized was that they were doing, they were feeling the same way I was feeling, but no one really was okay talking about it at first until someone broke the ice. And one of the neat things about our survey is that we break the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, those things that you probably are thinking and feeling and that a lot of military service members and family members and veterans may not feel comfortable talking about initially, they feel validation and they feel, I I hear all the time people telling me, when I took your survey, I knew that you got it. Mm -hmm. You weren't asking questions that, you you know, they, they could tell the people who had written the questions had lived the lifestyle. And so there's a validation and an opportunity to feel heard um, that taking the survey offers. So one of the most important reasons that you could take the survey is because we respect and understand what you have experienced, and we want to honor that and respect it and translate it forward. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a really it's it's a it's a reason that is specific just to our community. Um, you know then the larger kind of reason that the impact and the relevance of, um, you know, who it supports and informs is it also supports policy changes, both through congressional 
um, legislation and mm-hmm. also through DOD's decisions um, that c- don't have to be statutory. I mean, these are decisions they can take one off um, to change a lot of policies uh, that they are able to know about and hear about because we are able to bring this information to the table every year. So we are able to brief all the way from the top levels of Department of Defense through top levels of uh, House and Senate Armed Services Committees, through members of Congress, even to local communities, because a lot of the information and a lot of the opportunities to alleviate some of the challenges to military families aren't found at the national level. A lot Mm -hmm. of them are found at the local and state level. So um, the opportunity to communicate through local areas. For example, we have a very robust chapter in in, uh, the San Diego area, and we were able to bring to bear a lot of resources and support for military families and service members in San Diego by virtue of speaking with local leaders in San Diego that actually improved outcomes for military families um, in meaningful ways that were just as important or sometimes more important than the ones that we were also able to achieve at the national level. So we are able to to kind of provide information and data on multiple levels, everywhere from top of federal government all the way down to state and local levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, so that's, I think, the value. Yeah. Now that that's incredible. It, as you as you said earlier, it takes you know four to five years just to get a survey out <laughs> because of all the federal you know question you know that they got to bureaucracy. Yeah, oh, the awful bureaucracy of our federal government. And then you're saying that you're finding much better support at a very faster rate on a local level, which I always feel that is much better because you just service members, veterans, they. It's, it's better to support your community than trying to rely on uh, a national level or a federal government just just wants to put a blanket over everything and everybody's the same where they're at that local level they can okay this is the difference and you know and the families can be supported in a much better way so i i, I couldn't agree more with the comment about the the, uh, uh, the local organizations what i do yeah. want to ask you though i'm sorry go ahead, oh, go ahead linda no, no, no. I was just going to bring in about the Blue Star Neighbors. I thought that was an interesting point she made later, and I think that's probably where you're going. Go ahead. No, yeah. I'd like to speak about that more because I, I, I for one, have never heard about Blue Star Neighbors, you know, and I, cause I was, you know, I wasn't sure about where I, where I stood as a Blue Star dad. So I'd like <laughs> to speak more about that, the Blue Star Neighbors. Well, you get to choose, right? Because where we sit is often where we stand. Um, and so what, Blue Star Neighbors offers is is the realization that support for military families and for service members and for veterans can't stop with mm-hmm. service members and military families and veterans. We have to reach out farther into our, you know, our broader communities, into the civilian populations and get them to understand, uh, you know, our lived experiences. Um, and then that's when you know, everybody understanding what it means to be a service member or a military spouse or a veteran, that's when you're going to get the most meaningful support and understanding. 
Um, and so it's self-limiting to be or to be an organization that just reaches out to service members, veterans and, and their spouses. Right. Mm-hmm. So instead, what we uh, what we developed is an opportunity for uh, it's a way to reduce the barriers of understanding and to make it very easy for your average you know, civilian family living, say, in San Diego or Severna Park, Maryland, right? (laughs) For them to be able to say, I know there are lots of military people around me, but I don't really know what that means, and I don't even really know them. Uh, And so how are there opportunities? We're the opportunity for you to, by joining Blue Star Families as a Blue Star neighbor, we provide information about events or opportunities um, that you, you know, you can participate in that are not, you know, they're attractive, they're fun, they're, they're not boring. I mean, there are things you'd want to do anyway. And we bring military families and, and civilian families together mm-hmm. uh, to reduce some of those barriers to um, understanding each other. And that supports military families because that's one of the greatest challenges is how do you break into a local community when you're only there for a few years? But it also supports those civilian families, because they're then able to understand what military families are doing in their communities, the importance of the military in their community, and it connects them to a bunch of, you know, diverse people that are around them. Um, and so that that's the idea of the program overall. You know, it's phenomenal because you need to raise the awareness, not you, but the, the entire country. As the awareness is grown and improved and augmented, you have so many people who don't even self-identify as service members in the community, and I'm speaking specifically of National Guard and reservists, mm-hmm. who you know are out there all the time and have been called upon in unprecedented numbers um, with deployments and the up-tempo, as you originally mentioned. And so as you do become um, more entrenched in the communities and known, it really does benefit everyone. Because what I see in the civilian community is – People really eager to better understand and to know, um, but they aren't sure how they can contribute, but they're eager and willing to. So where there once been a very hard, high wall division, what I see now is a receptivity to supporting and helping. I mean, this country swings like a pendulum with regard to our feelings about uh, wars but they are steadfast in supporting our military. And so I think that especially looking at those who very rarely self-identify, they're in your community, they may work at the next desk beside you, the Guard and the Reservists are the ones I'm speaking of, by raising that awareness in the neighborhoods and in the communities, it really does benefit everyone. Yeah, and we want to make it easy. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the other thing. We don't want people to think of this as some sort of chore or penance that they, you know, it's not, <laughs> oh, no, I have to go figure out who my military neighbors are. Mm-hmm. Instead, we want to make it a fun, engaging, you know, what it is, it should be largely seamless. Um, mm-hmm. But oftentimes military families just don't know how to reach out. And guard families are perhaps hesitant to identify. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's the idea is to reduce the barriers and, and create um, opportunities where it's easy and fun for people to understand each other and to learn more about the role of the military in the communities. And then also to learn more about, you know, what the community, um, you know, what are the opportunities 
for even, you know, service members and their families and veterans volunteer at enormously higher mm-hmm. rates than the average uh, American population. Why not leverage that? If you're a local community leader and you know you have this civically minded population in your community, it would be terrific to be able to leverage that and have those people engaging in the in your community. And that's also beneficial for those military families because then they're breaking into those local communities. They're meeting people. They're learning mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, and we know that that's the best way to provide support. DOD can't do it alone. They shouldn't mm-hmm. have to do it alone. Right. Um, and, and so that's a great opportunity for, for both sides to come together. And we well, hope that the survey contributes to that, really. Oh, I think it definitely does. And I, I do want to mention that if you're listening and want to learn more, you can go to bluestarfam.org and learn just the survey, but also about these extra services that you offer. So when you're talking about being in the uh, community, what percentage, if you have this information, of your Blue Star family membership is um, Garden Reserve? I'm just curious. So our, our guard and reserve percentage is lower than our, our active duty component by, by a substantial uh, margin. It depends on certain areas. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, in New York, uh, we, we have a, a very active chapter that encompasses New York City and West Point. Um, and that is largely guard and reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you compare that to areas, for example, like San Diego, where the large majority of the population is active duty. Um, so different areas, uh, we have multiple chapters around the, the, the country and overseas, about 40. Um, they tend to be near large military installations or mm-hmm. near, for example, in New York's po- case, we know that there's a tremendous amount of Guard and Reserve who, who live in the New York metro area, but they don't have a locus um, you know, uh, there's nothing to tie them all to one particular geographic area or base. Mm-hmm. They're spread out. So what we try to do is leverage the opportunities for them to participate in events based on different pockets of interest. So what we do in, say, New York looks very different than what we're doing in San Diego because of the communities that are involved. So we'll do a lot of base-centric activities in San Diego because we know there are a lot of active duty there. But we'll do a lot of – yes. So sorry. We're coming up on our final break, and we will continue your discussion right after these messages. And we'll be right back. You'll want to hear the end of the Blue Star Family's annual survey discussion. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. It's Big girls don't cry, right? According to a recent Wall Street Journal article by Dennis Nishi, there's a stigma attached to turning on the waterworks at the office. 61% of men who reported crying at work cited personal reasons, an illness in the family, the death of a pet is the catalyst. While 58% of women said it was something that happened at work, being unfairly blamed or criticized, men are like mascara. They run at the first sign of hubba-boo. That's another word for crying. What's the word for the fear of intense emotion? Zellophobia. 
Women may have a better excuse for crying than men, as females have higher levels of prolactin, which encourages the production of tears, making it easier to be known as a lacrimist or someone who cries at the drop of a hat. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We're continuing our discussion with Kristen Schiffer about the Blue Star Family's annual survey and the importance of communicating and engaging the communities around the country so that there is less of a divide between civilian and military families. And there's also ongoing dialogue, which always helps. I mean, positive communication is such a means of keeping communities vibrant. And I've always noticed that the military families in our neighborhoods are often the most active in what they do. So I I would love to ask a question based on what are your plans for next year's survey, if you have any plans for those yet soon. But based on this outcome this year, what do you see as questions for next year that may be even more relevant based on feedback that you've already gotten? Yeah, you know, um, one of the things we really learned this year was that um, time away and, um, you know, challenges associated with stressors based on operational tempo are really in the forefront of, of military families' minds. So one of the things that we'll be looking at for next year is how do we best support? What are the actions or the types of support that service members and their families uh, are looking for to mitigate this very long conflict that frankly has no end in sight um, and the continued high levels of time away. Um, that will be something that we look at. We always try to measure the tempo and measure what stressors and challenges military families are facing. Mm-hmm. But we also try very hard to develop solutions. And those mm-hmm. solutions, we ask military families and service members and veterans to provide. So one of the great opportunities in taking this survey when we field in April of 2018 is, uh, is the opportunity not just to like say what's wrong, but also to say what would help your family be stronger? Mm-hmm. What do you want? And so that's really one of the things that we'll focus on are what are those solutions that we can, what we can come to? Because frankly, when we first started the survey, it was just about proving the need. People mm-hmm. didn't believe us uh, or it was just too quiet. Uh, you know, military was very quiet and we had to prove that there were problems that commanded the attention of national leadership. Now we have that attention, mm-hmm. but it's re- it's it's a responsibility of military families and organizations like Blue Star Families to then offer up solutions. We can't just complain. Right. We mm-hmm. need to actually say what it is will make things better. Um, And so one of the things that we'll really be looking at next year is what are the actions that can be taken that will ameliorate the stressors and the challenges that are incumbent on service and in this dynamic time? You say you've got the the attention of the politicians. um, And this survey is one way to, uh, to, you know, to keep it 
because uh, we can gain it real quick, but as you know, you can lose the attention of the politicians very quick. <laughs> Shocking. Right, well, you know, <laughs> election year, you know, it's not an election year, right? So what what do you guys, besides the survey, is there anything else you're doing to, to engage uh, local or national politicians? So, so we have uh, a myriad of different activities. For example, uh, we recently had um, an event in Virginia where we were hosting um, leadership, senatorial leadership in Virginia with military families in Virginia. So we brought the, the, the elected leadership together with military families in a, in a forum where they could hear directly from their own constituents that were military families in their districts uh, to understand what was going on. Um, that's one thing that, that we do, that we look to do. We also do that. We've done that in San Diego uh, and we're, we're reaching out. We have opportunities to do that in different states where we have uh, relationships that we've built with, with elected leaders and have robust chapters of Boost Our Families. Um, we also are working with, for example, the Bipartisan Policy Center. Um, BPC, as it's known in D.C., is a, a, a think tank, um, for lack of a, you know, for the colloquial term, um, that focuses on solutions that aren't coming from the left or the right, but are collectively, they, they take um, thought leaders from both parties, um, from all sides of the spectrum, and put them in a room together and try to hash out policy initiatives and identify problems. And so we had a large report that published last in, in this year, in 2017, on personnel issues and pointing out how military families were part of the military personnel challenges um, and any reform of the military personnel system, which we uh, largely, it, it's agreed, needs uh, sub, 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 substantial reform. Uh, military families, you know, need to be one of those. Op, you know, that obviously the budget's going to become an issue. Security is going to become an issue. Um, but military families should be one of those uh, pillars um, and their needs at the table. So we'll also be having an event um, at BPC on January 18th. Um, where we're looking specifically at what data came out of the survey this year that can inform uh, policy, military personnel policy reform in this new Congress um, that will, you know, obviously it's got one more year, but um, as, as we kind of come through and as, as the new uh, new year comes in, um, what are we going to be looking at in the, in the last year of this Congress? And then as we, as we move into next year in a new Congress, what is that going to look like? So do you recommend then that our, our listeners, you know, military families, they start engaging their uh, their political leaders to support you in your efforts? So so we're we the way that we find works best and most efficiently um, is when military family members are able and service members and veterans are able to provide the information and the feedback via our survey via comments. Via, I mean, we have an enormous opportunities for feedback. We collect that and then are able to to pass that on. Um, that is a way that is um, safe, nonpartisan. It's not controversial. It, we try very hard not to be, um, we're, we're a nonpartisan organization. We try to, to take um, the long perspective 
on some of these issues and understand that some of them don't move overnight, but over time building trust and confidence that, that we really have seen good movement. Um, so I would say first and foremost, that's a great opportunity for military families. It's a safe and nonpartisan and non, um, kind of, it's it's safe for everyone. So for for example, for service members, it's it's nothing um, that uh, would be um, outside of their expected codes of conduct. Um, but obviously, becoming politically engaged and just informed um, is a great opportunity. I, I think um, you know, given the the National Defense Authorization Act that just passed this year, and a number of um, policy changes that may be coming up in the next year or two. Um, you know, elected officials should know that military families and service members and veterans vote um, and that they're thoughtful voters that have specific issues, both as just general families, but then also as military families. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a really smart position to take is just to be informed. And yeah, absolutely. If you want to communicate with your elected leader, that that is absolutely your right. Um, and, you know, we can help you do that. But people you know, just that first step of becoming informed um, is a great opportunity. Um, And it's one that, you know, we certainly, we provide, um, you know, weekly blogs and information. If they're wondering what's happening in DC, that's impacting military families. It's as easy as following us on Facebook. And then, you know, in between the, the pictures of like uncle Fred's like, new car and your cousin's (laughs) (laughs) new baby. There might be some article about, you know, what is Congress thinking about doing in 2018 for military families? Well, and you do have to keep a step ahead. Um, If you're not making yourself heard in time to be considered before changes are made, you're missing an opportunity. So if people want to learn more, they can go to the website, which is bluestarfam.org. And you mentioned the Facebook group as well. And is there a newsletter they can sign up for and receive as well? So the best thing to do is just to go to Mm bluestarfam.org. And then there are a veritable buffet of options from there. And it can be as little or as much as you want. And and we're mindful that the majority of military families and service members these days, they're they're millennials. Uh, And, you know, we don't want to bomb people's inboxes. We're very respectful. <laughs> um, so so we let them choose instead of us, you know, you don't sign up and then you just get bombarded by our stuff. That instead, you know, our social media and tech uh, components are run by folks a lot younger than I am who uh, totally understand and respect, um, you know, your time and your, your own inbox. Um, and so if you go to bluestarfam.org, you can choose. Do you want everything? Do you want one thing? What do you want? Um, and I would say that's the best way is, is we're not, you know, we don't want to send you anything you don't want to have. Um, and we want to make sure that we're there to provide you with the information that you think is most critical. And, and so I would say go there, start there, um, and then choose, you know, to stick your, stick your pinky toe in or just, you know, dive in head first. No, and I agree. You know, going to uh, bluestarfam.org, there's a ton of information down there for families. There's career assistance. I love the fact that you have a, a deployment reference that you can go to, like a checklist that I've seen. And then the, the, the family life tab is amazing. I mean, there's places where you can go and get into museums for free from uh, Memorial Day to Labor Day. You got that list. You got the parks for discounted prices or mm-hmm. 
uh, or for free. There's theater tickets in there, a uh, way to volunteer, a way to partner, and, of course, donate. You can't even emphasize that enough, how great of an organization this is that for people to donate, because there's, there's probably a, a plethora of things that you need funding for. So the, the website, as you're saying, is, is amazing. And I think that's the perfect way to go in and get the information you seek. Again, the family life, I seen that. I wish that was around when I was in because I, you know, my little, you know, guys, they love going to the zoos, you know, mm-hmm. the museums and stuff. So absolutely, uh, the, the website, your website's fantastic and, and a lot of things to do. So if you want to go there to volunteer or to partner or to donate, go to bluestarsfam.org. Yeah, it's it's really an engaging organization, which is why it's the largest military family support organization in the country. And Kristen, thank you for sharing the information about the annual survey, because I think that if people know how important it is to have their voice be heard, there will be greater participation. So I'm hoping that when we that it really is an impetus for people to understand that this is a worthy email to open <laughs> and to thank you fill, you're welcome and to participate because you know it, if you're just going to feel alone and not that you're being allowed to participate you have an opportunity here and they do this every single year and their emails will come out um, usually around the first quarter of the, of the new year of every year and you have a, a period of time to answer and then they close it and it's a wonderful opportunity to have your voice be heard. So thank you for sharing the information with us today. And military families are such a vibrant part of our communities that we urge all our listeners to go to bluestarfam.org and join in, see what's offered, you know, really engage with this large population that is doing so much for our country. So we will be back next time with some more information on worthy organizations. And we are so glad that you have joined us today. Thank you to Kristen Schiffer and Blue Star Families. We'll be back next week. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance your